All right. I have a message for you. We're going to talk a little bit about the feeding of the 5,000. And I made, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you now. All right. So if you go to Genesis chapter 1, I think, it says in verse 11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit that yields fruit, the fruit tree that yields fruit, according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit, according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. Verse, uh, chapter number 2 says in verse 5, Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. God says that nothing grew because there was no rain. There's no rain because there's no man ready. So when the man set, was set in place, the herb that was in place could begin to grow, but it didn't grow because God hadn't let it rain yet. So God waited until he had a man in place, and when he had a man in place, he let it rain. Then the herb began to grow. Then there was a man to till the soil and the herb and to work the garden. Then he caused it to rain again, and so there was a cycle. And the fruit tree that he talks about, the seed of the fruit tree was in the tree. So if the fruit tree wanted to have a brother fruit tree or a friend fruit tree next to it, it had to surrender its seed to have a brother fruit tree next to it. If it didn't surrender its seed, it would be a lonely fruit tree. Just one single fruit tree complaining about life sucks and how God is nasty. And if he is a good God, why is there evil? Never surrendering its seed to have another tree. So there is a cycle that has to take place for life to work. You go to the office or to your workshop or wherever you go during the day, good places, godly places. Then you work, you surrender your time, you get your salary, then you buy stuff. And that all is a cycle. The moment you stop the cycle by not going to your work, the salary stops. If the salary stops, the food stops. If the food stops, your strength in your body stops. The strength in your body stops, you can't go to the office. You understand there's a cycle. Everything in life has a cycle. Much of the cycle, we don't honor the way the cycle works in our Christendom. We, we don't honor how God put things in place and we break the cycle. Now we have to have a miracle for God to restore a cycle that we don't want to maintain. Even in the leading out of the people out of Egypt, God led them for 40 years and their clothing didn't shrink and their footwear didn't shrink. The guy got a pair of Nike Air Max and he could wear that for 40 years and it was shiny and brand new without any wrinkles on it for 40 years. Walked into the promised land. The first thing that happens, he wears out. Looks up to God and go like, I'm used to having free shoes. God says, you're now in a place where I don't have to do that for you. You need to maintain the cycle that I did by miracle in the wilderness. There are some parts in your life that you need to begin to take responsibility over. And we can't take responsibility for anything if we keep pointing a finger at another person, blaming, blaming them for the cycle of poverty, the cycle of brokenness, the cycle of sickness that is in our own personal lives. We have to begin to take responsibility for where we are as a people. So let's see if there are some lessons that we can extract from the story of the feeding of the 5,000. The story, as a good pastor, should give you some backdrop. It's the only one of two miracles that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Sounds clever. Now, I heard that said by someone else. Did no research whatsoever to get that information. It's the only miracle recorded in four Gospels. The other one is the resurrection. 
It's the only one. That tells me it's important to God to have that recorded to, in the Word for us to know. It's, its importance is highlighted by the fact that it's recorded in four Gospels. It also tells me the early church values its importance and its place in the Gospels, having that same story told in four different Gospel accounts. We read in Luke chapter number 9, the first one we'll look at, and it says, When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. The crowds learned about it and followed him. The crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, so imagine this. Jesus, the disciples had just come back from a missionary journey. It means it tells me something about their understanding. They'd just come back from their journey. They'd done their thing. They should have some sort of understanding. They're withdrawing with Jesus. Life works in cycles as well. When you're up, it feels like you're on top of the world, but you have to understand that you also come down that mountain. You don't stay on the mountain for the rest of your life. And you go through different cycles and different lessons. And the lessons I learned before I had children, it's not the same things God was dealing with me when I had children. And now this age of my life, when we've moved into this building, God is dealing with different things than he had to deal with in my personal life than when we were were in the old building that was a lot smaller than this. And the same with career choices and, and, and getting married and changing jobs or getting a salary increase. There are different things that God is working through in your life. The disciples are coming back. And as he is coming back, He takes them, they withdraw to a certain place, and the crowds hear about it. They begin to follow him. And on this journey with Jesus, Jesus is beginning to do miracles. He is healing some people. Uh, My pastor taught me this once. He said that not everything in your life is good at the same time. You may have just gotten married, which is a good thing, unless you married the wrong person. Then there's no more help for you. You have to pray, and God has to do a miracle. That's that. Who's the one? The one you're married to. People ask, is there a one? Do you get something like a soulmate? The soulmate's the one you're sleeping with. That's the soulmate. You don't get a second one. You don't get another one. You don't get a redo. This is not Mario Brothers. So better choose the right one from the beginning. That's the hardest thing to marry the wrong person. Don't do that. I'll save you a lot of trouble and money and sleepless nights, marry the right one. So they are following him, and and not everything is good at the same time. You might might get married now, but then you're moving into a very small apartment. So you're happily married, but happily broke. Not everything is good at the same time. These people is in need of a miracle, so they follow Jesus up a mountain, and he is beginning to do miracles. At one point, he's healing them, but on the other hand, they're now hungry. Not everything is good at the same time. We want everything to be perfect so that we can say this is God. It's only God when everything works out. It's not God when some things work out. But most things in life, when it is God, there will be a sacrifice of certain things. It's always an exchange, one thing for another. Life is full of exchanges. You exchange your time for your salary. You exchange your, your, your ability to, if you run a company, if you want to go on holiday, you can't be at both places at the same time. You're a single person. So he says, the crowds learned about it, followed him, and he welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowds away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. 
So the disciples, this is where the story starts off. And I wonder if I can take the liberty to do a prop today. I haven't done that for a long time. Get some area leaders, just 12 of you. You're the 12 disciples. Can I get 12 good looking? I'm kidding. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. Nice. All right. So we have the twelve. Bonal Obdanayuki. And just stand there and Bonalop. So if we go to Matthew, Matthew says, Some of the time that Jesus crossed to the far side of the shore, see a Galilee, great crowd of people followed. This is Matthew 14. Then Jesus went up the mountainside, sat down with his disciples. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, well, uh, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in his mind what he was going to do. So Philip is one of the disciples, and he is, is talking about it. Philip answered him, which one should be Philip? Well, Philip, will JT be Philip? JT, okay. JT Philip. Where were we? So Philip answered him and said, it would take more than a half year's wages. Come here, Philip. So Philip and I'm talking about, I'm Jesus now, obviously. <laughs> you didn't doubt that, did you? <laughs> Struggling with disciples. And so Philip and I'm talking about this, and I'm so, so in, this, in, 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 in Luke's account, there are 5,000 people, and the disciples are coming, they're not bundling up, they look like they're in the army. <laughs> at ease, at ease, but at ease soldiers. <clears throat> now it's fine, just, they're, they're, now they just changed rank again, they're still in the army. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So we have, we have, we have the story here. Philip answers and says, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread. Go back to, to Luke. The 12 came to him and said, send the crowds away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and the countryside to find food. So the 12 discussed among themselves and said, they're hungry. And Jesus eventually begins to speak to Philip and Philip and says to them, where can we get food for them? Let's call you the 5,000. I hope you have a miracle today. How cool would that be if I start breaking bread and it turns into, I don't think it's going to happen. No, I'm just being serious. It's fine. And so Jesus is looking at the crowd and he, he's speaking to Philip and his, his disciples and it's like sort of saying, And he's talking to Philip and he's saying to Philip, so where are we going to buy him food? And Jesus already has in mind, Where's the young boy with 12 loaves of fish's trico? <laughs> grab, just grab me a chair. Uh, just pass me a chair, Rico. I, I did not think this through. I'm making this stuff, as we, stuff up as we go. Just sit, for instance. No, wait, wait. Just, yes, yeah, sit there. And... Um, 
So Philip is sitting there with his five loaves, and Jesus knows this already. He's, in the, he's amongst the crowd somewhere, and he's there and talking to Philip, and he says to Philip, so where are we going to get? He says, a half year's worth of wages. Now, when they decided that Philip's going to be the guy, because we got four different accounts, how that played out, the, the small details, not that important. But somehow they discussed among themselves, really concerned about the 5,000 that is hungry. Or was it them that's hungry? Because they, they care so much, or are they caring about themselves? Do they care about the crowd, or do they care about themselves? Because now they're saying, send them away to go buy food. But then he says to Philip, where will we get something to eat for them? And Philip says to him, it would take more than half a year's worth of wages. So his concern is to feed them is more expensive than what we've got. So somewhere along the line, they must have stood here and spoken to themselves. Come here, Philip. Talking to themselves saying, we have to feed these 5,000 people. I don't know how long Jesus is going to go on with this message. I mean, it's been 45 minutes into the sermon and Jesus is still going. And we've driven all this way out past a toll gate all the way from Johannesburg to be in the service and Jesus is still going. Can one of you try, and Peter stands there and says, maybe, maybe Philip, you should go and just tell Jesus to cut it. The service should get done. And so Philip and Jesus, is still, and they tell Jesus, can't we send them away to buy food? I wonder in part if they were not the ones that is also now hungry and they're getting frustrated with the service. It's good that God is healing people, but it's sort of a bother to me now as well as a pastor. As a youth group leader, it's good that God is doing a thing, but I'm getting hungry now. And if it's God and hungry, that hungry is a negative, healing is good, but a plus and a minus is a, so it's not good, can't be God. I don't want this to be this way. I, want to, I don't want to be, if it's God, I shouldn't feel hunger. If it's God, I shouldn't be out here in the wilderness. If it's God, so God is doing, let him stop that. We can continue tomorrow. If you're really serving God, you're going to be inconvenienced at times. So Jesus is standing here talking to Philip and he says to Philip, the Philip says it's gonna take a half year's wages. And another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter, Simon, Peter's brother, Andrew, that's not you, that's the short guy. Shorter, shorter guy. The shorter, shorter guy. They're standing there with Jesus talking. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves. And so they bring Kostani Tissin to go get him. And he's standing there. And this poor little boy. <laughs> that didn't work out. Stand in the middle of the tube. <laughs> I'm just going to call him boy from now on, not small little boy. And so what these two disciples that represent the church to a large degree has done, they've just grabbed a small boy by the arm. And this is why people are upset with the church because they feel like they're getting abused. They don't understand how things work. And the church needs everybody. And they've gotten this boy and they've, figured out so they figured out how did they find out Simon Peter's brother says I spoke up here is a boy with five how did they in a crowd of 5,000 figure out he's got a lunchbox how did they what's that cartoon find where's Wally 
how did they find the little boy with five loaves of fishes having a lunchbox? Who of you got beat in school for having lunch? <laughs> people figure out your lunchbox has sandwiches in it. They found the little boy amongst 5,000 people. And let me just say, there weren't 5,000 people. There were 5,000 men. There's approximately 15 to 20,000 people. Because they only counted men, approximately 5,000 men. And some estimate that to be between 15 and 20,000 people there. Have you ever, we've not had an event over 3,000 people yet. The largest event gathering besides the youth groups on a Wednesday at one physical location has been 3,000 max. Imagine 20,000 people and they find the one with the sandwich. And they're standing there where they find the one with the sandwich. The disciples are saying, let's send them home. And so back to, to this, he replied, and they said, it's late in the afternoon. The 12 came to him and said to him, send the crowds away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. We are in a remote place. Sometimes you find your life in a remote place. That remote place may feel like you are disconnected from solutions to your problems. You are disconnected from provision of God. You find yourself in a financial situation where people have looked up to you and your thing has changed and you don't know how to tell them you are not where you used to be. You're in a remote location as it comes to how you are dealing with a lack of resources and you're in a place and, 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 and the disciples' suggestion is send them away to go back to how things used to be because that's where their solution is at. Maybe it's Jesus that withdrew intentionally to draw them away to a re remote place, away from their usual solutions. And the disciples in their carnality is pointing them back to their old way of finding solutions to their need. Should I say that slowly again so that you catch what I'm saying? Jesus withdrew intentionally. Do you think Jesus withdrew by accident? If Jesus wanted to withdraw with no one noticing, he could have done that. He withdrew in such a way that 20,000 people followed him. That's not quietly withdrawing. Maybe he withdrew intentionally to withdraw 20,000 people from their daily provision. And now in their daily provision, even the disciples is discerning their lack and their antennas is open to solutions to their problems. They've hijacked a little boy with five loaves. Among 20,000 people, they find one with three loaves. He was sitting there playing Uno. And the, the, the disciples found him. And Jesus says to them, they come to Jesus sounding all holy. Not all holy language is God language. Not always when your speech sounds like God, is it God. Ananias and Sapphira sold their, their home land and brought portions of it to the disciples and says, look at what we did. Sounds godly, wasn't godly. They died because they deceived the Holy Spirit. There are many examples. Um, Saul, whose kingship was taken from him, did the same thing. He said, I was waiting for you and I wanted to please the people because they were getting upset. So I did the offering in your stead. They said, no, we didn't kill the, the king and all the, the sheep. We wanted to keep it to offer it back unto God. It sounds holy, but it's not holy. And sometimes when we make a suggestion to people's lives, we think that we care for them, but it's not God. And sometimes in our caring for people, 
we are carrying them back into their problem. Because if they did it by themselves and not through Jesus, the people would have gone home and never learned how Jesus is their provider. They would have never been exposed to the lesson that Jesus' body is the bread broken for us and it is more than enough. They would have never had that lesson. If they had gone home, they would have been healed, but still confused. Jesus wanted to show them something and he had to take them out. He says to Abraham, why could he not do in Abraham's life what he did in Abraham's life without taking Abraham out of his father's house? He says to Abraham, go from your father's house to a country that I will show you. And I will do great things there. And as he go, had gone, God's revelation of God's purpose and plan for Abraham's life unfolded in every step that he gave forward. Sometimes God leads you out of something where it may seem that God is leading you into a place of lack in your life so that he can do a miracle there and show you who he is. Because our testimony shouldn't be fake. I don't have to fake trust God. I don't have to fake testify about God. I don't have to stand up here and pretend that God does miracles, but I've never seen one. I don't have to stand up here and tell you that God can make a way where there is no way without ever seeing God make a way. When I'm preaching, I'm preaching from a, from a resource of evidence that God has actually done in my life. Because if it's fake, I can shoot holes through your story. Don't tell me God healed you, but you're still sick. So they're standing there. I wonder if the disciples were really caring about the crowd or caring about themselves or trying to act because they just came back from a mission. So Jesus turns this whole thing back. Come up here, stand here with the young boy between you two. And they're standing there. Jesus is talking to them. He says, send them away to, to the surrounding villages, countryside, and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. And he replies to them, because they're so concerned for you. They're so concerned, the disciples. Standing here, come stand. This is now all your sandwiches. You're all trying. You're not looking at him. You're looking at his sandwiches. You're trying to eat his sandwiches. You're like making buddies with him. He's the guy with the sandwiches. I'm going to eat your sandwich. You sit here. I've got a spot for you. Sit here. And, 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 and Jesus looks at them. With this boy standing between them, and not yet in this in Luke story, he's not there, but let's leave it there. Okay, whatever. He looks at them, he says, Okay, you give them something. Jesus looks at his disciples who brought him the problem and says, Send these people away, they're hungry. And he looks at them and he says to them, Okay, you give them something. You give them something. This is what Jesus looks to the church for. Many people. You are the crowd that is on this mountain. Jesus was teaching about the kingdom. All of us silently want to have from Jesus' hand directly. We never want to get it through a person. We want to get it directly from God. Because the moment we get it from a person, we're humbled. Because if we get it through a person's hand, it feels like we are now in need of another person's help. If, if nobody knows that I'm struggling and God fixes it, nobody knows that I'm also struggling and also human. So God goes and says to them, I'm not going to feed them, you feed them. You give them something, disciples. This tells me something about the structure of God's church. And so Jesus is standing there and the crowd is with Jesus. All of us look to Jesus because he is the one that provides, but the way that Jesus provides is very rarely directly excluding his church. Jesus operates through the church. The 12 apostles, the church wasn't founded in Acts. Jesus founded the church. The apostles just rolled it out. 
Jesus establishes his church. He functions through his church and he functions through his channels. That's why I say the pastor is not appointed by a board. It's appointed by God. That's why so many pastors are not successful. They're not appointed. They have a certificate, but no anointing. And so the disciples are standing there and he's trying to teach them because when he leaves, the Holy Spirit will empower them to do the work. Who's going to do the work? Who does the work? We are the body of Christ. Where's the hands and feet? On the body. We are the body of Christ. We do the work. We care for one another. He says, there are 58 one another verses in the Bible. Love one another. Care for one another. Carry one another's burdens. We do it to each other. Doesn't say Jesus to you. He says you to you. Most of our solutions doesn't come from Jesus' hands. It comes from his hands through the body, which is your hands and your feet. We can see each other's problems and we can see each other's needs. And God uses us to, so he says, you give them something. And he wasn't trying to be nasty. He was trying to teach them how this works. And brother, he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And the disciples did so. And everyone sat down taking five loaves and the two fishes and looking up. So he, by now the, the boy is standing there. Do you recognize that the boy is the only one that doesn't need a miracle? He's the only one that has food there. Out of 20,000 people, he's the only one that brought a lunchbox. No one else brought a lunchbox except that young boy. The young boy was smarter than all the adults. We are sometimes so sheepish in our mindset that we just follow a crowd. Oh, they're going, ah. Not thinking about anything. And here they are on a mountaintop, hungry. And the only thing, this young boy planned his trip. He's the only one that planned to be with Jesus the whole day. Evidenced by his packing a lunch. All of them and all of them were expecting this to go faster. He packed a lunch saying, if it takes all day, I'm good with that. So he brought his lunch. He's the only one that doesn't need a miracle. But for the miracle to take place, he's the one that needs to surrender what he has. May I submit to you that some of you in this room don't need to get saved again. But for someone else to get saved again, you have to give what you've got. Because in John 6, where he talks about the same story, John 6 is the same story. Right after that, Jesus begins to elaborate on he is the bread of life. And this story talks about he is the bread of life. You don't eat my flesh. Uh, you have no part in me. And that's where many of his disciples left him. It's in John 6. So in the same way for this young boy to not let go of his five loaves and two fishes, in the same way, sometimes we hold on to our physical resources in such a way that I don't want to be without lack. That many people are sleeping in the dark tonight. I'm not talking about physical darkness out in the street, but sleeping in their lost state, cut off from God, because we can't let go of what we have to make a blessing available to someone else. We want Jesus to not use people and not use us, but give us the credit when he does. We want to be the ones that tells God, he, look at me, look at me, I'm the pastor. Look at how, but don't take my stuff. Churches doesn't need to be so rich and churches doesn't need to have the finances that it does the world is suffering we need a soup kitchen jesus i'm not doing soup kitchens i'm doing gospel preaching good news soup kitchens is an outflow of those that know jesus but i'd much rather have you saved before i have you fed
So the only one that doesn't need the miracle has to let go of his three, five loaves and two fishes. He is, is, imagine how much is his, because they said this would be six months worth of wages. For us to buy 20,000 people food would take six months worth of wages. Do you know how much that is? To buy, to buy that, we, 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 when we plan a celebrate event, we try and do that two months ahead of time. We try and figure out what the surprise will be. Either it's donuts or it's ice cream or it's cake pops. We've given pancakes. We've done everything you can think of after a celebrate event for 2,000 people. And it's costly. Imagine having to try to feed 20,000 people. Now, that is on the responsibility of the church to do, is to be the place where people are fed. And to feed 20,000 people is not an easy task. He says six months worth of wages. So what would take six months to do in the natural, Jesus can do with something someone surrenders. The church can get ahead very quickly if we learn how to surrender what we have. If you don't put something in the soil, the soil... The soil makes that Jesus curses the fig tree. I'll give you the example. Jesus curses the fig tree. Why? Why did he curse the fig tree? Because the fig tree came out of the ground, took all the resources of the ground, and kept growing, kept growing, kept growing, kept growing. And it took everything out of the soil until it became a large plant. And its leaves said, I have fruit. I've taken everything I can out of the ground. And Jesus walks past it and said, okay, now that you've taken everything out of the ground, what are you giving back? And he said, nothing. Had no fruit. And he cursed it in the root. He said, you cursed in the root. The, the place from where you take out of the soil is where he cursed him. Because you kept taking, never giving. Because God is a God of cycles. What you take, you give. That's why he says, if you sow sparingly, you'll have sparing. That's why you cannot cut off giving from a Christian's life. He says to the rich man, if you want to follow me, give up what you have. Knowing that the rich man never surrenders, it's a cycle. What you cast on the waters, it comes back to you after many days. You never physically give up anything for God because God always gives it back. He says, when you sow, I'll put back a blessing in your life. When you give, tithing says when you give. Now he takes this from this boy's hand. He takes the five loaves. Where are we at? And the answer we have five loaves. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. He sits them down in groups of about 50. So Jesus, we're doing math. Somebody's sitting in this room going like, why are we in a maths class? 15,000, 5,000, 15,000, two loaves, five fishes. Five loaves, two fishes. Trying to calculate what's happening here. So Jesus makes them sit down in groups of 50 which is reflective of what Moses made the group. So in, in Genesis, you have Moses divide the people in groups of thousands, hundreds, and fifties. Why is there so much structure in the church? I don't know. Ask Jesus. But it sounds like we don't talk to him often if we ask questions like that. It's in the Bible. He says, make them 20,000, sit them down, because what is Jesus saying? He says, I want structure. I want structure. Jesus wants structure. You can do whatever you want. He puts the same seed of the same fig tree in the same fruit of the fig tree in the fig. It's there. It doesn't put a mealy seed there. He wants structure. He wants order. He does it the same way. He makes them sit down in groups of 50. So I wonder if there's a group of rebellious people going, 
I'll do it my way. I'm not sitting in groups of 50. I'll get from Jesus directly. I'm telling you right now, that guy went home hungry. Because he was so clever, he missed out because he didn't sit down in groups of 50. Jesus says, sit them down in groups of 50. In modern day society, 2020, who can five dog? Who's doing 20? Can I group Can I be the leader? Put them down in groups of 50. No, 55. 50. Pietras. Put them down in groups of 50. Do you think we would have, with, with 3,000 people, we're struggling to get a consensus? Do you think we would have consented to if, the, if Jesus comes? Yo, if Jesus says this is different. No, it's not. He says it every day in the Bible. Most of what the church does is, is most, it should be everything. The, what the church does is in the Bible, we still don't agree with it. Do you think we would have had consensus if Jesus comes and now Peter, Peter stands this way. This guy comes and tells you, and Philip and Andrew comes and tells you, sit down in groups of 50, still smelling of fish. Do you think in modern day society we would go, yeah, we would never. Because we don't like structure. We don't like God's way of doing things. We want to sort of make a golden calf ourselves and lead it where we want it. We like a God that we make with our own golden earrings and pretend like he's leading us. We don't like a God telling us sit down in groups of 50. So he sits them down in groups of 50. He says, that he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. The disciples did so and everyone sat down, taking five loaves and two fishes, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. So he takes the five loaves. I'll take a full loaf. He takes it and he breaks it. He breaks it in two. I'm thinking, imagine how you, if you were in the scene and you were one of the 12 disciples, you're standing there, right? Imagine what you would, Jesus is standing there wearing sandals, dusty floor, 20,000 people, skinner. What did Zion? What is he wearing? They're standing there. And Jesus is breaking this bread. I'm thinking Philip's eyes goes like, while he's ripping it apart, he goes like. The miracle hasn't happened yet. There's nothing done here yet. And he takes this loaf. He goes, take this one. Philip is standing there looking at his hand. And Philip's cousin standing there. Takes another one, breaks it, gives it to him. Nothing. Now they're standing there with portions of this bread broken off. No miracle yet. Not one miracle. And he says, disciples did so and everyone, he gave the sit down. Then taking the five loaves and two fishes, he looks up to heaven, gave thanks, broke it. Then he gave them to the disciples and distributed people. He says, okay, now feed them. And by this time, Philip's eyes is looking this way. trying to count how he's going to feed. And this young man goes like, just give me a portion too. Hagen chips. No miracle yet. And he takes the 20,000 people sitting there. He takes their miracle. Watch. He takes their miracle and puts it in the hand of the disciples. It hasn't multiplied yet. 
The multiplication is not when you receive it from Jesus' hands, when you receive it from his body. People say, I don't need to be in the church. I just need Jesus. Jesus didn't give anybody any bread that day. The disciples did. And the miracle didn't happen when Jesus gave it to them. Now this disciples goes down. Just come and stand up here in the front. I don't, that's not going to multiply. Don't worry. I said no. <laughs> Let's come stand down here. Stand in front of Chanel and just in front. Now when the, the miracle begins to happen when they're in groups of 50. The disciple begins to break. There's 20,000 people here. Now how long this is going to take? No, okay. There's no the lot. Now how long this is going to take for them? So I, I, just for my miracle and for your patience with me, I brought you, my sex talkies Where's my sex talkies? Where, where, they brought it, bring it out. I went, just five minutes before the service started, I said to Chanel, can we get 1,300 sex talkies? Bring it up here. <laughs> yeah. Bring the... Bring it, bring it to the front. It's fine. Are they going to stand there? Okay, no, it's fine. Stand up there. Bring me a couple of baskets. Those, you can stand up there. They already planned this thing out. How clever is this admin team? They already have people handing it out. Just grab a couple of baskets. Let me see. What's the size stockies? The Chinese size stockies? Tango, milky. Oh, nice. I brought you a size stockie. And now when they begin to take this loaves and they begin to break it, hand it out, groups of 50, imagine 20,000 people sitting in groups of 50. How many groups of 50 is that? A lot. Plenty. The group back there doesn't know what's happening and there's a commotion. And Philip, the more he's handing out bread, the more he's realizing this bread is not, he's not even looking at the people he's giving, he's looking at this bread and it's growing right. If that's how church looks, There'll be a difference to the church attendance. There'll be a difference in the church, how it grows, because there's provision in the house. Go hand it out. Just give everybody a sex talkie. All the ushers everywhere, just hand them out. Send the buckets through. Imagine if this takes so long. We're, we're only a thousand something. Imagine if this, imagine 20,000 people having fish now. Imagine how his fingers had to spell with all that fish scales on it. Was it cooked? There's so many questions I have. Do they have peri peri sauce? <laughs> now I'm wondering, the same 12 disciples who said to Jesus, send them home, let them go get something to eat somewhere else. After they had given them the fish and this five loaves. Did you sit in the group of 50? That's the question. <laughs> God is a God of order. He's a God of structure. It's not about the pastor got nothing to do with the lead pastor because the church has existed more than 20 years not our church the church the universal church of jesus christ it's been around for more than 20 years it survived all the world wars it survived everything that's thrown at it 
has survived all oppression, all legislation, everything. The church is surviving. It's not the pastor that makes it survive. It's God. When you submit, he will build his church. I don't build his church. He will build his church. And when we submit to the principles of God, God begins to do the work. You have to be attached to the body, contributing to it. I can't grow out of the body and never give back to the body. That's a lesson in giving too. I don't just take, I give back. What I take out, I put in. I can't extract from my marriage without giving back into my marriage. There's a cycle of giving. The body of Christ is the same. He says, bring your tithe to the storehouse so there may be food in my house. Some of you are not eating in the church because you've never brought into the house so that there may be for you something to eat. You're refusing to complete the cycle. We need the body of Christ. We need the disciples. And Jesus was in all of this. You could say, where was Jesus? He was standing there looking at his disciples, learning a lesson. Checking the disciples. And the crowds are 50. Just looking at them. And as it left, leaves their hand, it's his blessing. Before Jesus took it, it was just five loaves. When he blessed it, it was still five loaves. Whatever you put in God's hand, you can say it's just money. It's just my time. And it may not look like something, but when it hits the right hand, hits the right spot, God begins to do a miracle. Don't wait to see it before you move. Have faith in your heart to trust that it's possible. Was that good enough for you tonight, uh, this morning? It's my message. It's my message. Stand on your feet, worship team. If you rush down here, we're going to sing one song before we go home. If you... Don't fall. I don't need you to hurt yourself. But do come down here. He is our provision. There are seasons where I didn't know how I was going to make it. How many of you have been through a season in your life where you say, I don't know how I was going to make it? Thank God I'm still here. You're still here. He says he counts the hair on your head. I don't count it. He counts it. It's not your pastor. I'm not in the church because the pastor is cool. I'm in the church because Jesus put me there. I'm part of his body. I'm a living stone built into a household of faith. My weight matters in this house and your weight matters in this house. And in South Africa, when the church begins to raise its voice, it will matter. The, the census from 2022, I think, was the census. 80%, I think more than 80% confess to be Christians in our country. That's a thing. That's a thing. Then surely, then surely, as Christians, we need to get our stuff straight. We need to understand what is the order of the kingdom. How do we behave in public? How do we drive our cars? How do we talk to people? How do we do business? Because we're 80% Christians. Let it reflect in the nation. Let us begin to rise up and be those that represent Jesus well. We are His hands and feet. And once someone doesn't have and you extend your hand, you're causing a cycle to begin. Don't just take. Learn how to give.